So we are now in week three of our series, Known by Love. And week one, we had Pastor Lynn speak on take that stone out of your shoe. And, you know, she had some pretty big-sized stones, but I was thinking about, you know, when you're walking along at, at the river or on a track, often they have, like, that really fine shingle, and it's like you can't help sometimes but get these little stones in your shoe. And so take that stone out of your shoe. You know, if, if we have one of those little things in our shoe, at, at the beginning it might be just a little bit annoying, but then it starts to hurt, and then eventually it causes damage to our skin. And the same way, if we're carrying an offence, it does that to us. It can start to cause damage, it can start to hurt us. So it may not look like much, but it can cause a lot of discomfort. And she um, put this verse out, Acts 24, 16, where Paul um, says a very powerful challenge to each one of us. It says, He says, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. Big statement there. Maybe some soul searching for us to do on that one. And then last week we had Pastors Ralph and Anne-Marie in, and Ralph spoke on love touches the untouchable, that love that is infectious, that love that is beyond reason, the kind of love that seeks one thing only, and that is the good of the one loved. Now John 13, Jesus said, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, when I think about being known by love, which is what we're talking about there, I've often thought about the big stuff, you know, like the doing something really helpful for someone that's obvious or giving something away. But I've been wondering through this series if maybe perhaps being known by love is a a lot more about the daily, like those tiny decisions even that we make along the way. Choosing to forgive someone, choosing to let someone else go first, choosing to keep our mouths shut. Choosing to not compare ourselves, choosing to believe the best of someone. And it's not only about how we treat everybody out there, there, that's really important, but it's also about how we treat those in here and those closest to us. A wise person once said, actually Glenn just said this to me this week, said this, what if the measure of how authentically we are living as disciples of Jesus is how we are treating and how we are speaking to those closest to us. I found this story during the week, and I've got a little bit of a prop here to help me. Hold on just a second. Rustling, rustling, rustling. Sorry about this. I'll get there eventually. Sorry, cleaners. Throw them higher? Okay, there we go. Okay, I found the story. Now it's all over my notes. That wasn't helpful. This is annoying. Okay. <laughs> They're everywhere. Okay, I found the story, and I found it in another, a number of places, but um, some of the details vary um, as I cross-referenced it, but it basically goes like this. There's this guy called St. Philip Neri. And he was assigned a task, um, he assigned a task to a person for their sin of spreading gossip. The 16th century saint instructed them to take a feather pillow to the top of the church bell tower. Don't have one of those, do we? But anyway, rip it open and let the wind blow all the feathers away. This probably was not the kind of penance that this person or any of us would have been used to. 
but the penance didn't end there. Philip gave them a second and more difficult task. He told them to come down from the bell tower and then collect all the feathers that had been scattered through the town. The poor person, of course, couldn't do it. And that was the point that Philip was trying to make in order to underscore the destructive nature of gossip. When we detract from others in our speech or when we diminish their worth or value, our malicious words are scattered abroad like these feathers and cannot be gathered back. They continue to dishonor and divide many days, months and years after we speak them as they linger in people's minds and pass from one talebearer to the next. The title of my message today is called Guardian of Words. You are a guardian today. Each one of us is a guardian. Now, when I say the word guardian or guard, you might be thinking something a little bit more like one of these. Let's have a look. Maybe one of those people. No, they're a guard, security guard there. Or maybe the next one. Guards? Queen's guard? King's guard? Or maybe you're thinking of this next one. Yeah? Those ones, guardians of the galaxy. Well, a definition for guardian is a person who guards, protects, or takes care of another person or property. So today, you are a guardian. Let's say it together. We're going to say, I'm a guardian. So on three. One, two, three. I am a guardian. Now, a, a better image today might be one that looks a little bit more like this image. The Bible says this about the tongue, and I'll just list off a few verses to you. It says, those who practice deceit, for those who practice deceit, their tongue is like a sharpened razor. For the wicked, their tongues are like swords, words like deadly arrows. The tongue of the evildoer is as sharp as a serpent's. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Pretty um, graphic language here, isn't it? A perverse tongue crushes the spirit. The tongue has the power of death. The tongue is a fire. The tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Wow. It could be pretty easier for us to say, well, well, that counts us out. We're not evildoers. We're not wicked. And true, we have been covered by the blood of Jesus. We are made righteous through him. But then in Ephesians 4.29, it also says this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And again in Matthew, Jesus says this, But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. Now, empty word, another translation says careless, which just means idle, lazy, thoughtless, useless words. So pretty big statement there. Jesus is actually saying your words matter so much, they carry so much potential for good that actually if you are going to utter um, careless, useless words, you're going to be answerable for those. Pretty big, isn't it? And I think too that might just include the ones that we say over ourselves as well. Now let's look at another image of a guardian. 1 Peter 4. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. So not just one not even two, but a multitude of sins. And that Greek word cover over there literally means to veil, hide, envelop, or conceal. So love is meant to veil. It's meant to conceal. It's meant to envelop other people. We're called to be ones who protect and guard and care for each other. And one of the ways we can do that is by concealing things that don't need to be shared. 
Now, that's not the same as secrecy because, yes, we know that light needs to shine on things and we know that, yep, sin needs to be accounted for and that consequences happen and they need, um, you know, people need to work out their consequences. But what we're talking about here, about covering, can be summed up well in a verse found in Proverbs 17. It says this, He who covers and forgives an offense seeks love, but he who repeats or gossips about a matter separates intimate friends. Yes, we're talking about the big G word today. We are talking about gossip. Yes. Anyone feeling uncomfortable? Oh, real good. Okay, let's look at a story about gossip in Genesis 9. And this is about, about Noah. I've just got a little bit of the story here. Um, okay, it's going to... Sorry about the vivid images it may paint. Let's just go with it. Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he drank some of the wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father naked and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth, that's the other two brothers, took a garment, laid it across their shoulders, walked in backward and covered their father's naked body. Their faces were turned the other way so that they would not see their father naked. When Noah awoke from his wine and found out what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, the lowest of slaves will he be to his brothers. Okay, so yes, Noah had sinned by getting drunk. But Ham had a choice in what he was going to do. He had a choice in this story. He chose instead of covering up, and he could have literally gone and covered up the situation, but he chose instead to go and repeat it to his brothers. And that carried with it um, those brothers big consequences. So this is an example of gossip within a family, you know, within that close relationship. You know, and often we think about gossip being out there about other people, but gossip is gossip, no matter if we're talking about others negatively or uncovering something they've done. In any situation, it's gossip, whether it's in a social place, a workplace, church, or even a family environment. I read this during the week. Grace gets you into the kingdom of God. That's unmerited favor. But after you're seated at the Father's table, he expects to teach you table manners. The etiquette of the table is that you don't tell stories about the brother who is sitting at the table with you, no matter what his denomination, nationality, background. So what's gossip? Here's a good definition. Gossip is first-hand, second-hand, or third-hand information that someone dumps on you without your prior consent and without the consent of the person that is being talked about. Gossip can be true, partially true, or completely false. It can be motivated by good intentions. That's an interesting one. But it always contains negative personal information that can paint somebody in a bad light. And a question we can ask ourselves is, would I talk about that person in the same way if they were in the room with me? That's a good gauge. Now, we may not be the gossiper, but when we hear gossip... It's like we're forming an alliance with the other person if we choose to do nothing about it. Now, why is it too that we often, it's easy for us to immediately believe the negative, like believe the gossip, but often it's a lot harder for us to, um, to believe the good, to believe the positive. You know, the opposite should be true. We should be so skeptical of negative words and so quick to believe in the good. Now, why do you think gossip matters so much? There's a lot of reasons, but like first reason here, this is just an easy one. We need to remember that we have an enemy, the devil, 
he would like nothing more than to bring disunity, than to kind of pull apart relationships, to bring dishonor and division between us. His nature is to be the accuser of the brethren. And the word Satan actually means just adversary. It means slanderer. So his name should give us like some pretty big clues on what his plans are all about. You know, he's all about slandering. He's all about creating suspicion and division. So first reason to not gossip is let's not give the devil even an inch when it comes to keeping our unity, keeping our relationships tight, to keeping them closely connected. Because gossip can do a number of things. It can destroy relationships. It can damage a person's reputation. It can erode trust. And it can distort the truth. Okay, let's have a few more good reasons why we shouldn't gossip and even why we shouldn't even let unwholesome talk come out of our mouths or, here's another one, even talking too much. First one, we will be known by our love, like we said back at the start, or lack thereof. And to each one of us, what do we want to be known for? The second one, um, Luke 16.10 says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Now that context there is wealth, but the principle still applies. Can we be trusted with the little we've been given? Can we be trusted with our words? Can we be trusted with our actions and with the people around us? If we want to be trusted more, we need to be able to prove ourselves trustworthy in the little things, and that includes the words that we speak about people around us. Romans 12, here's another one. Love one another with brotherly, brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. And that chapter starts with what spiritual worship actually means. Um, giving our lives fully surrendered to God. And then it goes on to talk about how we should treat others. So living a life surrendered to God looks like outdoing one another in the honor that we show to each other. Both in actions and also in words. It includes the way we speak or we don't speak about other people. So let's be people who outdo one another in showing honor. Just a couple of practical things. So what do we do if we hear a rumor? We may not be the gossiper, but we hear it coming back to us. If we're in a conversation with someone and they start to express words that put someone in a bad light, we can interrupt. We don't have to just kind of continue and go, oh, yep. We can interrupt and we can say something like this. We can say, hey, can I just stop you for a moment? Um, we can say something like, can I just suggest that you go and talk to the person um, that you're talking about? Go and have a conversation with them. Or can I ask, why are you telling me this? In all circumstances, in all circumstances as much as we are able, we should not be party to gossip. And we need to confront the gossiping. It's very quiet in here. First point today is, we already said you are guardians. We are all guardians. A guardian speaks up. Sometimes, though, we're told something before we even realize what's happened. So what then? Once again, something like, um, can I suggest you go and speak directly with the person you're talking about? And then if you walk away, you go and check your own heart and you say, God, actually, has this caused me to think differently about this person that's being talked about? Is there anything in my heart that I need to just sort out with Jesus? And then maybe it's just a conversation with God or maybe it's something and you actually need to go and seek clarification with the other person so that there's nothing between you and that other person. But bottom line, don't go and repeat the matter to someone else. 
yes, sometimes we need to get trusted advice from somebody that is, you know, very trustworthy. But check your heart motives. Make sure you're not spreading gossip further. Um, I read this from Lisa Bevere during the week. She said, it isn't just what is said, it is also what we choose to hear and to follow. So shut it down further for their sake and yours. Be a gatekeeper, or as we're talking about, be a guardian. Um, I've heard my children say this sometimes, and other people too. They come to me and have said, um, my friend told me that such and such said this about me, and they'll be feeling like really like wounded by it. Usually what's been said is really unkind. It's some like may have an element of truth, but usually totally not true and definitely unnecessary to be repeated. But I've just watched as maybe a well-meaning friend has come and repeated what someone else has said. I've just watched as those words have played over um, in their minds and in their hearts and they've started to develop um, opinions and thoughts about themselves that are just not true, that are based on the rubbish that's been repeated to them. No, so it's so important, important too, that a guardian keeps their mouth shut. So much pain can be avoided simply by keeping our mouths shut. An easy one, maybe, maybe not. You know, there's heaps in Proverbs about being wise with our speech, and King Solomon talked a lot about this. And, you know, maybe he had just been on the receiving end of gossip. Remember how he was conceived. Here's a few scriptures. Proverbs 11, a man of understanding keeps silent. He who goes about as a gossip reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy and faithful keeps a matter hidden. And again, when there are many words, transgression and offense are unavoidable. But he who controls his lips and keeps thoughtful silence is wise. Then in James, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Pretty strong language in there. Now think before you speak, and I've talked to you about this before, but questions we teach our kids are, is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Now they're great questions to ask before you open your mouth. Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Yeah, it may be true, that may have been said, that may have happened, but is it actually necessary for us to go and repeat it? If I go and say that, and maybe it's necessary, but is it actually going to be kind for the person? Proverbs 26 says this, It takes fuel to have a fire. A fire dies down when you run out of fuel. So quarrels disappear when the gossip ends. So let's not be people that add fuel to the fire, but instead keep a hold of our tongues and stay silent so that fuel, the fuel dies out, fire dies out. I remember, I was going to get something else out here. A trusty old paint can here. This one's been around for a while by the looks of it. I remember when we were in the process of renovating um, upstairs at our house. Big process of renovating took us, what I thought it was going to take one or two years, maybe more like 10 years. Um, anyone who's done a full house renovation will understand. But we were in the process of renovating upstairs. And Glenn and I, um, on our days off when the kids were at school, we would do a lot of painting together. And so this particular day, Josiah, he was probably only about two at the time. We were painting upstairs. We had drop cloths spread everywhere, which is a very good idea when you're painting. And Josiah was just watching us. He just kind of loved to hang around and, 
watch what's happening. And we were keeping an eye on him as well, as much as we could while we were rolling balls. But he just kind of came along with Aisha's little toy bird that used to sing, and he just dumped it in the paint bucket. And as well, I think there was a, a moment where he just kind of stepped into the paint tray um, and then was walking around. Like I said, fortunately, there's drop cloths. But even then, there was still a lot of mess to be cleaned up. That bird, we cleaned it, never looked the same again. Maybe he was trying to give it a bit of a, a makeover. Um, and the footprints, we had to clean those up. And whatever shoes he was wearing, there was a lot of cleanup that needed to happen. You know, when paint spills, it gets on things. Like this is just the drips that have come from um, getting paint out of the can. But if we drop paint, if we spill it, it makes a mess. It goes a long way. And it needs to be cleaned up. And in the same way, as much as we're able, if our words or our actions have caused a mess, have caused a spill, we need to go and clean them up. Even if that means just going back to the initial person you spoke to. But a good question to ask yourself is, who has the paint spilled on? Who has this affected? Because a guardian also cleans up their mess. Even if a guardian has been wronged, they can choose how they talk about another person. And I just want to give you some really cool positive um, verses about the tongue, from, mostly from Psalms and from Proverbs here as well. Listen to this. My tongue is the pen of a skillful writer. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The tongue of the wise brings healing. The soothing tongue is a tree of life. The tongue has the power of life. Isn't that amazing? With our words, we've been talking about guarding our words, but look at this. With our words, we carry the ability to build up, to heal, to encourage, and even to bring life to another person. See, as guardians, we need to be committed to speaking well of other people whether that is those in our family, whether that's in our church, whether it's people outside the walls of the church. But on our own, you know, taming the tongue, holding our words, and like James, um, James says in James 3, it says, no human being can tame the tongue. Okay, so we just said, let's do this, and now we've said, oh, it's impossible. But God, now at Pentecost, I just, I don't know why, but just this week it dawned on me. The fire that came and rested on the disciples as they were gathered came and appeared as tongues of fire on their head. And that word tongues, if you look up the original Greek, it literally means tongue or language. And we know what happened after the disciples, after the tongues came and rested on them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they went out and spoke in other languages. And they spoke in tongues, people heard that in their own language. So... The Holy Spirit rested on them. He filled them. They were empowered to speak his words. For us, as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, as we lean into him, just maybe our language starts to sound different. Being filled with his presence is a place where we are empowered to have our tongues tamed and to speak well of others, to speak his words, to heal and to bring life. Can I just have the bend up too, actually, as we're just drawing to a close? You know, this is about so much more than, you know, see we're guardians, but it's about so much more than just guarding our words, than just not speaking or than um, just watching our words. Our tongues, our words are powerful instruments that God wants to use to release his kingdom, to release his good news across this world. Just like the disciples did at Pentecost. <clears throat> 
So I guess my challenge today is for each one of us to just examine, to take a moment with Jesus and examine ourselves and go, okay, Jesus, is, does any of this apply to me? Am I being a guardian of the words that I speak? Am I being a guardian of, of the things that I'm saying over other people? Am I keeping my mouth shut when I need to? Let's just stand to our feet. We want to be guardians who speak well of each other and guardians who are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to speak out His words and His truth. We're going to pray together and then I just want us to take some time uh, for some ministry. So let's just pray this. And I just want to pray some of the verses that we've been reading over ourselves today. Holy Spirit, we just come to you now in the name of Jesus. And we just ask you to reveal what needs to be revealed to our hearts. God, we want to be those who hear the whispers of your voice who are open to being challenged by you, who are so sensitive to you, God, that we can make the the little changes that we need to, God, but who are so totally dependent on your mercy and your grace and your healing. Father, we want to be ones who guard our speech, who love one another so well that we are known by our love, who love one another with our actions, yes, but with our words, with the little things, with the little choices we make day by day. God, we want to be ones who honour you through our speech. And so today, God, we ask you to just guard our mouths. As I think it was in Isaiah where an angel came and took a coal and um, I think it was Isaiah that said, I have unclean lips. And an angel came and touched his lips with the coal to cleanse them. Holy Spirit, would you come and cleanse our lips? Would you come and cleanse our language where we need that? And as King David prayed, he said, May the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you, God. We just say, let that be. May the words that come out of our mouth, may the things that we're even thinking about be pleasing to you, God. Let us be ones who love each other deeply and who cover each other, who cover over a multitude of sins, who know when to keep their mouths shut and when to speak up. May we outdo one another in the honour we give to each other. And then God, may our words be like the pen of a skillful writer. May they be like choice silver, like a tree of life. May our words be words that produce life to those we encounter. Holy Spirit, we rely on you. We need you. And we ask you just to come and touch us again today. God, may we honour your name through our speech. two groups of people that I just love for us to pray for this morning. And the first one, I just felt that as I was preparing this message, there's some people that you're just being reminded of the times when you've been on the receiving end of gossip. Now, for some of you that may have been healed, but I just felt there's some people here today that 
it's actually just hitting something a bit raw for you this morning. And I just kind of saw like little darts in people's backs that just needed to be pulled back, pulled out, just like little words that have been spoken and they just needed to be removed. It's time for them to be healed today. If you're in that category, we'd love to pray for you very soon as the band begins to sing. And the other group of people, this is all of us, I guess, to a point, but I think there's some people that really know that this is a work on and there's absolutely no judgment here. But if you could relate to some of that, if you're just feeling that stirring in your heart as I was sharing this, that conviction of the Holy Spirit, if you've struggled in this area to guard your speech, either to keep your mouth shut or to speak up when you need to, then we would love to pray for you this morning. We're just believing for the power of the Holy Spirit to come and fill you like those tongues of fire that rested on the disciples and they went out and spoke God's words. We're believing for that this morning.